All right, Heather, A through Z. A through Z. We're going to go with S. S. Yep. We'll talk about the strike. Strikes then. As of just a couple of days ago, about a week from when this recording, or a week before this recording comes out, uh, Writers Guild isn't on strike anymore. The WGA and the uh, studios have come to a tentative agreement. It has been approved by the board of the union. It just needs to be approved for by the writers themselves. They have to vote on it. The members do. But as of, like I said, a week before this episode comes out uh, a couple of days ago, at midnight, the writer's strike officially ended. So the first things you will see coming back will be late night shows because uh, they're the things that can just start production right away and they don't need the screen actors to go back into production. And the writer's guild is not considered uh, to be crossing picket lines to go back to this writing because it does not, they do not employ SAG after movie uh, or actors. Um, so most of your late night shows and everything like that will come back, which is also hilarious because what if Drew Barrymore had waited a week and a half, she wouldn't have gotten all the fucking flack she had. Yep. Cause she could start production literally t- yesterday. <laughs> come on. Like all that bullshit. And when, and the, it's just, it's astounding. Just the level of incompetence some of these people were doing. But writers got, you know, they got some things. They didn't get all the money they were originally asking for, but that's also the point of negotiations. You know, they got more than what the studios originally offered. They got some protections and oversight against uh, AI. They've got, they got guaranteed minimum uh, staff uh, staffing for writing writers rooms, depending on how many episodes of, of a season, a show is they've gotten guaranteed writer producer credits. They got guaranteed, uh, like this guaranteed provision where like a certain number of writers will also be used as production assistants. So like, which is also like more or less they're writing for a show and interning to become showrunners because most showrunners are writers. You know, and this allows them to intern essentially as that position while being a writer on the show and making money. Uh, so they can learn the skills and become showrunners and all that other stuff and make the writer producer credits and all of those things, which is a really cool thing that that's like built into contracts now, like a more clear path and a guaranteed way they can do some of that stuff. Uh, they didn't get a bump in residuals for old TV shows that are on streaming services, but they, if they did, it's a very small one, but they got a very much increased revenue on all shows going to streaming services that were like, if they're made for a network and going to streaming or if they got even more of a sh- increase when it's dedicated just for a streaming show and stuff like that. So really awesome. I mean, like there's some compromise in it. They were able to get the money for future shit. And in doing so, they had to sacrifice making money on, or they made they they don't make as much money as they wanted to on the old shit. But I think 
especially moving forward, that's the best case. If you can guarantee money on everything you're writing from this point on and not shit written 10 years ago, you got to take what's in the future. You know, you're trying to future proof your industry and not placate to everything in the past, you know, and that's the part of negotiations. And, you know, I'm not a writer. So as long as they're happy with it and they're making what they need to make. Awesome. You know, I'm not going to knock them for trying to, you know, make a living. Because there's zero reason why the man that made one of the most popular shows in Netflix history made fucking barely anything off of it. Get the fuck out of here with that. Yes, I'm talking about Squid Games. Uh, So that's awesome. And also on a more positive note, also with the strikes, uh, they've announced that SAG-AFTRA and the studios will start negotiations again next week. So... Cool. Maybe we've got more news that like, you know, because apparently the studios now and it really helps that the the WGA deal went through. Because the actors can use that and base a lot of the stuff off that and move forward with that. So it's good. Uh, Yeah. Positive ass shit. Also, the like and that's the reason why they strike. If they hadn't if they hadn't, you know, done a strike, they would have gotten fucked by the contracts the studios offered. Those were fucking shitty. You know, so that's some really positive news as far as that stuff goes. Good. I'm glad to hear it. We finally have good news to report. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) Same. Yeah, that's 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 really good. When I saw that kind of circulating in the news, I was like, okay, good. I mean, which you figured eventually there would probably be something that would come, but you know, until it does, you you never know. But I mean, with all the money at stake, you you would think that it's a wonder it took this long to come to some sort of agreement with them with all the money at stake. But you know how people are. Well, it's it's like we would well, like we talked about when we talked about all the bullshit that happened with WB and this stuff like that guy's like man these strikes gonna be cost us 500 million dollars just so glad we didn't pay them 47 million it's that mentality it's it's the mentality of oh we have billions of dollars they have hundreds of dollars because we've paid them like shit for so fucking long we can outlast them no you can't because you have to release movies. And it, it does help that both SAG and WGA were on strike at the same time. It, that really, really helped. Because, like, the last time that happened was in the 1960s. You know, so. Which is really funny, because one of the things I didn't realize is during all of this bullshit, the studios came to a really nice deal with the Directors Guild. Directors Guild got a new contract back in June. So yeah, during all this shit, directors would not, you know, their contract ended, they negotiated, they got a mutually good contract and signed it. Like, it's astounding. You know, when the studios are motivated, they'll do it. It's just, they were losing. They were losing. Um, in other news, uh, Rolling Stone 
came out with an article that was like the 50 worst things to ever happen in Hollywood. And it drummed up a lot of controversy. And it's mainly because of the top seven. Uh, So the number seven on the list was what happened in the filming of the Twilight Zone. I talked about this, I think, almost a year ago. Uh, On the set of the Twilight Zone movie, the the segment that John Landis was directing, uh, two children and an actor all died due to a helicopter accident while filming. And... You know, the the kids were getting paid under the table. The kids weren't even supposed to be there at a night shoot. All this shit. They were breaking so many rules and regulations. All this bullshit. And the kids died. Uh, That was number seven. And some of the things they listed that were worse than that was when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. That was somehow worse than children dying in a movie. Uh, Mm. Matt Damon not signing up to be in the first avatar movie because he was going to get a 10% kickback and he would have made like $200 million if he'd done it. And they say that that's worse. The fact that Matt Damon didn't make $200 million for one movie was worse than these children dying. Uh, There's a, there's a few things. Um, One, one of them was that in the movie, the conqueror, the the movie where uh, John Wayne played Genghis Khan, uh, when they filmed it, apparently, you know, the location which they filmed at gave a lot of the actors cancer and all of this other stuff. And I don't think that's worse because John Wayne got cancer from that movie. I think that's fucking fantastic. So. Oh, boy. But that was one of the things they said that was worse. Uh, it, it was bullshit like that. Uh that the, yeah, they were all saying was worse than uh, the uh, kids dying. Yeah, I feel like that would just be, it would have to be number one. You would or think so. like number two at the very lowest. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, I guess you could put the um, Sharon Tate murder up there, too. Yeah, but uh, but that wasn't because of Hollywood. Like, that wasn't uh, okay. something because, yeah, yeah. like, in a movie or, you know, something like that. Uh, oh, yes. Number six. So one right above children dying was uh, Lord and Miller, the people behind the Lego movie and across the Spider-Verse and all of them, uh, getting fired from the movie solo halfway through production. Hmm. That's worse than children dying. <laughs> the standards here, guys. Uh, Matt what Damon, the slap. Oh, yeah. Blockbuster not buying Netflix for $50 million in the year 2000. That's worse. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Burt Reynolds not uh, turned down playing James Bond, uh, a role in The Godfather, a role in Star Wars, a role in Pretty Woman, and a role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All of that. Just worse than children dying. Right. And yes, the number one was the racist movie. The Conqueror gives the cast cancer, probably definitely kills John Wayne. I don't see that as a worse. 
maybe for the other people. But yeah, sure. I don't want the other people to die, but it, it's just fucking flabbergasting. Yeah. One one below all the children dying was that Warner Brothers lost the rights to Home Alone to Fox for three million dollars. What is this list? Like it is just Rolling Stones like, just trying to do fucking clickbait bullshit. Yeah. See, because I thought when you said that, like my understanding was like just things in Hollywood that were terrible. But no, no, it's I see. It's like it's decisions more, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Got it. Worst decisions. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand. Like those things don't even compare. <laughs> like the the death of the children is kind of like an untouchable, like unfortunate win in that list. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And it was because of bullshit. And like, right. it, you know, like it, I think one of the worst aspects about it is they weren't even supposed to be there. Like legally That's- speaking, they weren't even supposed to be there at that time. And yeah, that makes it so much worse. Like, well, it's bad yeah. either way, but still, right. it's just that's make it just makes it that much worse. And I'm wondering how they even comp like how did they comprise this list? Was this voted on between uh, did did one author come up that wrote did this article come up with this, or was this voted on? by like all the editors or certain staff members and stuff like that. I just wonder if they went by votes or if it, if it was one person's opinion, I'm just kind of curious about the process. I feel like it never makes sense how they do their lists, but yeah, but Uh, I haven't trusted a list of theirs since the vocal, the 200 top vocalists of, the world I haven't trusted them since that list. So, I mean, I think, I think part of it is because they were, or most of their lists like that, it's their right, their writers and editors and all their people kind of suggest a bunch of stuff. And then they have like a council get together and rank the shit or vote on the shit. And then they hand all that to one guy to then write it. Hmm. But it's fucking flabbergasting. Like, while the whole slapping incident was crazy, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's it, it's not really one of the worst things, just because, like, people. I mean, that's something that happens in Hollywood when people are just playing around too. And didn't they think it was a bit in the first place? So yeah, it's like, I mean, you know. A shocking, you know, if that was like, oh, shocking things celebrity did. Yeah, okay, most maybe, shocking but things. Like, I, it, it, it's such a non-factor at this point. Like if Will Smith was at the Academy Awards this year, who would care? Like, I mean, I guess it would be a big thing, but also it shouldn't matter. Like at this point, it's I mean, just it's, like, okay, can we just, it, 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 it screams of like recency bias too. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the the worst thing that's ever happened for Will Smith in Hollywood. <laughs> but I mean, 
Yeah, they, that's an odd thing to One put of the things that that, that was also ahead of was what uh, actor was it Melanie Griffith? Uh, Tibby Hedren's daughter. Isn't that Melanie Griffith? I'm not sure, actually. Yes, Melanie Griffith. Uh, oh. Her getting attacked by a lion on the set of the movie Roar when she was a child. So anybody that doesn't was know. lower? Yeah, that was number 10. Uh, which also should be up there because a child was mauled by a fucking lion that her family uh, like owned or whatever. I, they were, they were in, they were somewhere and they were like letting lions live at their fucking house. And yeah, M- Melanie Griffith was attacked by said lion or one of the lions. Uh, but it's one of those things that like, I wonder how much of that with, especially Tippy Hedren goes back to like the psychological and physical and sexual abuse that she essentially experienced at the hands of Alfred Hitchcock during the movie birds. Yeah. Which is that, would that be considered on this list? <laughs> like probably not. They love just excusing all that type of shit. Yeah. Because he's great or whatever. Uh, you know, and number nine was Ronald Reagan tells the house of un-American activities uh, committee that the Screen Actors Guild is full of communists. Yeah, that is shitty, but it's also very much on par with Ronald Reagan. So, didn't surprise me. Number 11 was John Travolta was allowed to make a Scientology propaganda movie. Okay, I guess. Like, yeah, we all know Battlefield Earth sucked. Like, okay. Is that what that was supposed to be? Yeah, the, the uh, Battlefield Earth was written by L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, okay. And they ex- they 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 kind of expected it to be like a like a saga of movies, just all showing the greatness of L. Ron Hubbard and you know all of that shit. Uh, number sixteen on the list was just the fact that Jar Jar Binks exists. Yeah, that definitely supposed should be there. I hate Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, but 16? Man, he's pretty terrible, bro. I mean, come on, man. Okay, but yeah, when was the last time you watched a movie with Jar Jar Binks in it? It still hasn't been long enough. I'm still traumatized by him. It's, it's terrible. It's not him. that bad. Uh, you'll appreciate this, Justin. Uh, number 19 is Whoopi Goldberg teams up with a dinosaur detective in Theodore Rex. Oh. I had a feeling you'd like that one. Mm. Uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway are handed the wrong envelope at the Academy Awards. That's factually incorrect. They weren't handed the wrong envelope. She read it wrong. wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because on the 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 results on the card, it lists all of them and it highlights the one that's the winner. She just read the first one or something like that. That's what she did. She read the first one on the list, not the one highlighted for as the winner. 
Was it was it Warren Beatty who did it, or who was the other person? It was Faye Dunaway that said it. Oh, it was Faye Dunaway. Okay. Yes, okay. her and Warren Beatty were the two announcing, and she's the one that mm. read it wrong. <laughs> that was a disaster, but really kind of funny. Oh. Is uh, I I want to go over all of these, but we have a movie to talk about. Anything else you guys want to talk about beforehand? I'm good. I'm good. Theme song. That marks the 267th time I have made an immaculate transition. Nice. Just want to say, flawless at my transitions. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie... No one will save you. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in both audio and video formats. With all that, Justin, what are your non-spoilery thoughts about No One Will Save You? All right, so going into this movie, I didn't really know much about it at all um, prior to it being released on Hulu. I just kind of heard about it because you guys mentioned it. So I, I didn't have any real prior knowledge of what this was or anything like that. I just kind of went in blind. I don't think I saw a preview or anything for it. So I didn't know what I was really getting with this. All i you know, knew is that people were raving about it, that it had been getting, uh, it had been having a positive reception with a lot of critics and people like that. And I know it's trending as one of the top, like, movies you can watch on Hulu. So I knew a little bit of that, but knew nothing really about the movie. Um, And I think when I got to the end of this, I... But I I feel like I did overall wind up liking it. I do think it is a good movie. Um, I do feel that um, it, it was on the borderline of being great, in my opinion. I think it really has a strong first and second act. The third act... It gets a little, it, it gets, I don't think everything worked in the third act. Enough of it worked, I felt like, to get to the finish line. But it was, but it becomes very, like, weird tonally. And 
by the time you get to the end, I feel like how you interpret it is really going to determine how much you like it overall. Um, but, 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 but for the most part, I really enjoyed the ride. Like, I feel like the movie grips you right away. I feel like it, it, it grips you and it never really lets go. That's the, that's the movie strength. It moves at a brisk pace as far as the, the runtime, the way that it tells the story, how it sets up these questions and sort of, it sets up all these things. It's not giving you much as far as dialogue or anything like that, because we are dealing with the character that's mute. So um, you're not getting much as far as dialogue. You really are having to piece everything together with what you're being given visually. And I think that that worked for this. Um, Once the, and I don't think this is a spoiler or anything. I mean, if you, if you know anything about the synopsis, you know that this is about like a, a, a girl and an alien invasion. What they do with the aliens for the most part is good. And I think that there are some real moments of tension and there's some real like exciting kind of heart pounding moments to the movie. Um, and I do like the, the, the allegory of all of this and what the movie sort of stands for and everything like that. However, I just don't know if everybody will get it. I just don't know if everybody will understand it. And I think that this is just kind of one of those movies like a uh, bones and all like a, uh, a parasite or something like that, where your interpretation um, and, and, and how much of it you get and understand because what the characters and what your aliens are doing and everything that is happening, a lot of it is works when you look at the allegory, but some of it may not work when you just look at it straight up as what's happening on screen. And I think there's a delicate balance there. And I don't know if the movie manages to nail that for everything. I don't know if everything manages to line up perfectly, but enough of it lined up for me to overall say, I do believe it is good. Um, um, so yeah, I think it, overall it does work for me as a solid thriller and, uh, Caitlin Deaver who plays brand, it, it's a brilliant performance from her. So it has that going for it. She's great. She's great in all the scenes. She's great as this girl, this mute girl that's going through this. And, um, I mean, every emotion I thought she delivered very well, all of her acting is just great. And it really is. And this is really kind of a movie that really um, wins and loses on her performance. And it's a great performance. So I feel like because of that, the movie does win most uh, more than it fails. So, yeah, overall, I enjoyed this one. I think it is a pretty good sci-fi horror thriller film overall. Um, one thing with it is she's not technically mute. She can talk. Uh, she does talk a couple of times in the movie. Um, I think it's more of a creative choice that they just don't have her talk. 
Okay. See, I didn't know if that was because we were looking at past scenes or visions well, or it, hallucinations you, or things like that, or if we were talking in present time. You could be partially right on that, in like a, like from a psychological point of view. Like, because of past trauma, she no longer talks. That might be a fair assessment. Um. That's what I was thinking it was. Fair. Right. I could I I can actually see that argument. Man, now you got me a little curious. Well, because but, but I get what you're saying though. There is talking in some scenes well, though. And I don't want to talk about that too much because that part of it actually might be a spoiler. If we go into depth in some of the scenes where she does talk. Ah, yeah, I get that. What were you saying, Heather? Yeah, just that the I, I know that like, and this isn't really any kind of a spoiler or anything like that, but like there's just moments when you can kind of under her breath hear her kind of to herself saying something here and there as well. So that's why I didn't assume that she was necessarily mute, but just that the movie doesn't necessarily require her to speak much, you know, but again, it's kind of nice to have the conversation because like until Jason said that, I was like, Oh, is she supposed to be? Because I like, I was like the different interpretations, like it's kind of cool that we kind of saw something different there, but yeah, I didn't think that, but it was curious. You said it. Cause I was like, is it supposed to be that maybe that is what they were kind of going for. But no, I just, I, and the only reason I know that too is because I watched it with subtitles. And so you can kind of hear <laughs> a little bit of like, under her breath, she's saying a few things in a couple of scenes. Keep going, though. Do your spoiler free. Yeah. Um, I do think Caitlin Deaver was really good in this. I think she was great. Like she she carried obviously she carried this movie because she's uh, one of the only people in it. <laughs> but she you 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 need to have a very specifically engaging skill about yourself as an actor to be able to pull off what she did in this movie. And she did it really well. Like she was very engaging. I've always liked her. I've always thought she was really good in the things I've seen her in, but I I like that she kind of took the charge in this and like, she was just doing some of the best acting you've seen her do. And she didn't even really need to say much, you know, like it was just all in the actual, facial expressions mannerisms the scenarios that she was put in where you just feel like her fear and you feel her trauma that she's going through and she really expressed a lot of that without having to say much and that's really I think a hard thing to do so I I really commend her for that I think she was great and I mean I think the the best word for me to describe this movie is just unique because I do I do think it was so interesting to have that choice of barely any dialogue at all. Um, But you're telling a full story through visuals. And I think some of the visuals they show you are really cool. And it really kind of drives home um, more of the emotion of it with certain scenes that they do. And I didn't necessarily expect that. And I also didn't really know what to expect from this movie because I didn't hear about it till we talked about doing this podcast on it. Um, 
you know, and then you see the the trailer for it and you don't necessarily get any specific, you know, vibe from that about anything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird though. Like it's a weird movie and weird isn't necessarily bad. It's just, it's such a strange movie because of the choices they make creatively with it. Um, but definitely not bad, just strange. And it's one of those where I still, even a couple of days after watching it was like, how do I actually fully feel about this movie? <laughs> like, I feel like it's just, you kind of have to let it sit with you for a minute. Cause there's just, I mean, it's almost like I saw it and I was like, I don't really have words for, for what I just watched. You know what I mean? Like, and it, I don't know. It's just strange. Like I will say alien, you know, invasion type of, of movies aren't necessarily, you know, my forte. They're not my favorite types of movies necessarily, but, um, you know, I think there's certain ones where I, I do like certain aspects of ones I have seen. And so for that, I'm not going to say, Oh, like I was looking forward to this movie. This was like, you know, right up my alley or anything, but I really appreciate what they did with this artistically. And I think it was just really just so different than anything else I've really ever seen. And um, I do agree about the third act of this. This is also one of those movies where I felt like there were a few different times when I thought it was about to end and it didn't. (laughs) And so that could have been part of it too. But um, there's, there are some particular things that they do in the third act that I really did like with the storytelling part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was just a very curious story. And I do like that you get the full picture of what happened without needing a lot of dialogue with it. But I'm curious why that was the choice they made, but I don't hate it. I think that was kind of, it was just different to do it that way. Um, so yeah, it was, it was it was interesting in a good way is what I'll say about it. I'm really torn about this movie. Cuz I feel like I kind of really dug 95% of it. And then I really 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 did not like the last like six minutes of this movie. I, I I really think they were going for some stuff and it kind of just derailed it. I did not really dig it. I get what they were doing with it, but I didn't like it. I don't think it really totally fit the rest of the movie. I think we've done a lot. We've talked about a lot about tension in movies the last couple of weeks. And I think this movie for the most part succeeded on that. Uh, I really dug a lot of like when she's in the house and aliens are walking around uh, and you get little glimpses here and there or, you know, some of that stuff, especially early on in the movie. I thought that those were just so, so effective, especially because like at a certain point when you're watching this movie, you find yourself looking for stuff 
and then not sing. And then, you know, like all those things, like when you, when you're to the point to where you're, you're looking for it, you're trying to find it. I think that that's a good indicator that they've done some tension, you know, because you're trying to then put yourself in the character shoes. Like, do I see around this corner? Do I see this? What do I see here? Like in the background, did she miss this? Like those types of things. And I think that that's, that shows that they, they were fairly successful with that. Um, For the most part, I don't hate the aliens designs, like the character design of the aliens. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. There's a movie we were going to do on this one, but we've shifted to next week where it's, it's a stark contrast in creature designs. And one of them is to the detriment of the movie. You're mad that they show the creature. It, 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 it deflates what they were trying to do. It works against the movie when you give that visual. I don't hate it in this movie. Very early on, you, it, they play it like they might try to do something like Signs, which is another movie where the movie gets deflated when you full-on show the the the, the alien. Uh, I thought they were going to kind of do that where you always just kind of see them in the background and it's always like or out of focus or something like that or part of. Nope, nope. They straight up just show you, oh, I'm in your face. Uh, and at first I was like, oh, I think that was a bad decision. When I when they first fully show you just straight up alien, I was like, that, I think that's a bad decision. But as the movie went on, no, I was like, no, they actually did it right. That was the right decision because while not all the special effects when it comes to the alien worked, it worked enough. You know, there's a particular scene where an alien's in a car where at times it looks a little off. You know, when you when you're contrasting real life car and CGI alien, it kind of, you know, looks a little off. But for the most part, I thought they did a really good job with the aliens. Like way more so than you would think for a movie that's going straight to Hulu. You know, I I, I think the alien design actually worked and I thought the special effects for the most part worked with that. Uh, which is a pleasant surprise because. I feel like aliens either look good or they look like shit. There's rarely ever any like in between. It's just good or shit. And I liked how there's some variance in the aliens. There's little tiny muscle like like fighter aliens. And then there's like the your stereotypical gray man aliens with, you know, telekinetic powers. Then there's these weird, super tall fucking spider aliens. I liked how that worked. I liked how there was like a slightly different personality to them. Like they're obviously all the same. I don't want to say the same species, but like, you know, they're all of the same group, but they all have distinctly different things about them. And I I really kind of dug that. That's not something you get in a lot of alien movies, especially when you're dealing with a gray man style alien, you know, the, the skinny, big eyed gray aliens. You don't typically get much variety in that. You just get the one. I liked the very, I, I liked the variation in this. I, I, I thought that they played into that really well. I, I thought the acting for the most part with this movie being 99% one person doing everything. Uh, I thought the acting was really good on her part. I thought she was doing a lot of really cool facial expressions and eye movements and all of these things. Uh, 
I didn't hate many of the decisions she made. There were a couple of scenes of some decision stuff that I didn't necessarily dig, but, you know, a couple of scenes that, you know, typically is not enough to ruin a movie. I say that there are sometimes you'll watch a movie and then one scene's like just a truly God awful scene happens. And you're like, oh, fuck all of this. This movie really didn't have that. Like I said, until the end, uh, I, I just was really kind of digging everything. And then the ending is such a weird tonal shift that I, like I said, I get what they were doing, but I just, I don't think it lands. I don't think it really gets the effect. I think that they were thinking with it. And the, the, the final thing I'll say in this, the, the decision to not have the character really speak. That is probably one of the things about the movie. I am the most torn about because there are times like, and it, it, it's not necessarily, I don't want to say the movie's fault. It's just in my own head. When I think about it, I'm like, man, that was really cool at times. But then I'm like, then I'm like, but she could have said more like, you know, there, so I, I, I'm kind of torn in that regard. I don't know if I loved that decision, but I think they at least effectively use that decision. The fact that they wanted to do that and they committed to that. I think that they made it work within the context of the movie, even if I don't completely dig that that was their decision. I'll second that. Yeah, because that was my thing. That's why I keep saying it's interesting. (laughs) It's an interesting and strange choice, but I don't I don't think that made it a bad movie, you know. I think that that comes down to slightly, I guess, on your personal preference, you know. And I, I, and it's partially also because no one in this movie really says anything. The few times you see a couple of other, you know, people in this movie, they don't say anything really either. It's just a bunch of people not talking. And I think, I think that that's why I lean Justin to where she wasn't mute. Is that they also did that with other people. You know, um, but I don't necessarily disagree with your, your, your thesis, if you will, behind that. But for the most part, yeah, I kind of dig it. And I, I am infinitely more into the whole alien invasion storylines. I mean, you can't have watched all of the X-Files multiple times. And not kind of dig that shit. It's what I do. I've I've watched the X-Files, the whole series, just numerous times. I'll go back and just watch a handful of episodes here and there that I just really like. Just when I'm feeling like, man, I need some Fox Mulder and some Dana Scully in my life. Let me just go watch an episode of the X-Files that I dig. You know, you can't be that type of person and not have like one foot in the door when it comes to an alien invasion movie, you know, especially gray man aliens. Like that's also the bread and butter of the X-Files with a gray man aliens. Like it just kind of screams like Sterling's probably at least going to watch this movie, you know? So I, I think as far as alien esque movies or movies that deal with aliens lately or anything like that, it's probably one of the better ones I've seen. 
in recent memory. The last movie I really remember watching like that is, uh, what, what is that movie with Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson, uh, Moonfall, where the moon has an alien in it and falls to the earth. That movie's garbage. And I, it's not of the same ilk of an alien invasion, you know, but uh, the moon has an alien in it. So I guess it technically also counts as an alien invasion sci-fi movie. But I think that this was way more effective. I think that this, for the most part, was pretty good. And I think it's one of those movies that if you like the ending, if you like the way that this movie ends, I think I think it it would probably air into the 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 arena of great. If if you if you like the way this movie ends, I think you'll think this movie is great. Cuz like I said, that's my big sticking point on to where I don't think I'm going to be able to say great. So, uh recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. You know what? I I think I will recommend it. Um, kind of like what Sterling said. Yeah, if you are a fan of you know the the alien invasion thing and everything, like I'm not specifically not to say I haven't liked stuff that has that. I just it's not really my go-to of like, I, I love those types of storylines always. Um, and even I feel like this was an intriguing movie. Um, it, it's just, it's so different and it is so unique in how it wants to tell its story that I just, I feel like it's worth watching at least once, you know? Um, and you know, it's not, it's not a theater movie. It's, it's on Hulu. You just go watch it there and you're all good, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's different. It's interesting. And I think Caitlin Deaver is great in it. I think she really was a great choice as the lead for this movie. So I think, um, yeah, I I do think it is something I would recommend for people to watch, um, just to see how, how you feel about it, just to see how you, how you feel about the, the choices they make creatively and artistically in this. And, um, I mean, it is it is very like nonstop. I feel like as far as there's always something happening on the screen, even if there's no dialogue, there's always some kind of action or something going on. So it keeps your interest in that way for sure. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I would recommend it. Um, as far as the score goes, it's, it's a little tough for me because it's, I'm still just in a weird place of how do I actually feel about this movie as a whole? still (laughs) um because i don't think it's at all a bad movie i think it i think it is good um even if it's not my forte it's just it's weird it's good but weird and so i'm kind of stuck between like it's so strange you know what i mean but um but i mean it was it was entertaining it was definitely an entertaining movie um so yeah i i think i would give it um oh boy. Um I'm gonna give it I'll give it 73 um footprints to help you learn how to do dances by yourself out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm I'm going to get it. A re- I'm going to give it a recommend. I think that just overall, it's a good enough film to recommend. I- I'm only going to not recommend a film if I think it's bad. And this is definitely far from that. So I think it's worth a recommend. And honestly, considering how good I, I, that I think 75% of the movie is, I really wish I had saw this in a theater. I think the surround sound and seeing it on a big screen and being in a crowd of people, especially whenever the movie is doing its tension, would have probably even made it more exciting than it was yeah. just me watching it at home. Like, Man, I wish that the other movie we watched was the Hulu movie and this was the Wouldn't one in theaters. That have been fucking awesome. Because yeah. those those like guttural ominous alien movie tones in 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 Dolby Digital Atmos surround sound oh would have been fucking epic. Yeah, it would have been badass. And there are so many parts in this movie because there's not a lot of talking and dialogue, which is why I'm on the other side of that. I loved it in this film because when you don't have all of that, you can do so much with sound. You can do so much with sound editing, background, the clanging of things, the sound of the saucers moving and stuff like that. So much was done with sound in this that really nails it. And sometimes when you don't have to worry about somebody speaking or talking or dialogue or whether or not the person says the right thing when they're reacting to the the, the noises that we're hearing or the thing that's happening or the chase that's happening, sometimes you can just do a little bit more with everything else. And I think that this is a movie that capitalizes on not having the the dialogue because it had to do more with everything else, you know? And man, if I had gotten this in surround sound and there are just moments where you hear something and then all of a sudden you're on alert, just like the character is and, Man, that just would have really been cool in a movie theater. So, I mean, I, I, I would never not recommend something that is that exciting and that gripping and that pretty much keeps you in that mode for almost a 90 minute runtime. So, uh, which is also a good thing about this. It's short and sweet. It I, I don't think it overstays its welcome. Um, and for like I said, and for the most part, I think this film is great. It's just that not I don't think every decision at the end was a great one. And that's the only thing that really hinders it for me. But overall, I think that this is a very good film and it's worth seeing, especially if you're all on this sci-fi alien horror shit. Then, yeah, you'll you'll be happy that you watch this, I think, uh, overall. Um, I guess for a score, we'll go, we'll go, uh, 85. Um, what can I say without spoiling? Uh, we'll go, uh, 
85 uh, unforgiving spits to your face out of 100. I'm kind of right there with you. I'm right there more with Justin than I think I am with Heather. Especially if this was in theaters. Man, I think, I think honestly, it would get a five-point bump. Easy if I saw this in theaters. Same uh, for me too, probably. Also, you know what? Fuck Hulu. Because Hulu has stolen Prey and No One Will Save You from fucking theaters. Fuck you. Yeah, they, they both would have been great in theaters. And then keep and then keep on recommended Venom. What's wrong yeah, with them? They recommend Venom <laughs> for fucking everything. They don't put Prey or No One Will Save You in theaters. Fuck right off. Two movies that I think more than anything were made for the theater experience and they're just shoved into fucking Hulu. And then once you end the movie, it goes, hey, want to watch Venom now? Man, fuck this. I'm mad now. Typical Friday night, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, would easily right. it would have easily gotten at least five extra points if this was in theaters. Getting to feel like feeling those sounds that the aliens were make like you were there. Oh man, that would have been epic. But instead I got to see a gigantic shit fucking monster on the big ass screen instead of these decent looking aliens. Man, fuck. I'm I'm mad at you now too, Justin, because you're the one that made me think about this. <laughs> and I did mean I to say know. that too, that the alien, like I did actually think that the alien design was really cool in these. Like that's something I meant to say earlier because I was like, oh, this is actually a, a good looking, scary alien. Especially, like, yeah. especially for them going back to a traditional gray man style alien. I mean, you can't get any more traditional than that. And yeah, yeah. yeah somehow they like made it. it look cool and a little bit different than what you've seen. I have really nice eye texture, really nice skin texture, some slight design differences on that. Uh, they did some really cool shit with the arms. I've never thought I'd talk about that, like talking about some really cool shit with some alien arms. But they did some really cool shit with the alien arms. You know, I really dug the movement of the aliens. Uh, I am an absolute sucker for like a rickety jerking style of movement in a like horror esque element, like in a scary movie type of thing. Um, I think that that's one reason why I still will watch the absolute garbage fest of a movie house on haunted Hill, uh, with Jeffrey rush and, uh, Tay Diggs. It's fucking garbage. It's a shitty movie. But man, do those ghosts walk around with some jerky fucking movements and I dig the fuck out of that. God, I'm probably going to watch that this weekend. Um, yeah, that unnatural like. Yeah, it's the unnaturalness of, of the movement yeah. that I think I dig. Mm-hmm. And I, I really did. I don't need to watch House on Haunted Hill this weekend. I watched it like two weeks ago. I'm fine. That's enough. <laughs> House on Haunted Hill for a year. I do own it. I can watch it whenever the fuck I want. Because uh, I do slightly hate myself. Um, oh, man. I'm probably going to watch it. It's stuck in my head now. I, I might have to. I might watch. I the- recognize that cry for help, but I'm bored of any, like, I'm on board for any scary movie that's terrible. So, 
uh, I might watch, what is it? I think 1977 is when this movie came out, uh, a movie called The Sentinel. Uh, I made Justin and Devin watch that years and years ago. Like, oh, man. The Sentinel. I fucking oh, love man. that movie. I am still mad at you and Devin for not liking that movie. Because I, I fucking like it love that movie. The Sentinel is a fantastic horror film. I haven't seen that. I think I, I it, the betrayal of Justin and Devin for that movie is right up there with both of you two motherfuckers liking the visit and not liking Kroll. Well, you've done it to me before too. You didn't like Maria full of grace and you should have. I mean, oh God. she was full of grace. She was full of Coke is what she was full of or heroin. It was either cocaine or heroin. That's what she was full of just and not grace. But the grace was in her heart and you just, and the drugs were in her colon. Mm-hmm. But um, you just, I just don't understand why you didn't love that. Because I, just, I like. I was the only one. There was five of us watching that. And I was see, the only one. I think that that's why you can't say it's a betrayal, Justin. Because you were the only one that liked it. All of you. All of you just like ganged up and stabbed me like I was Jon Snow. Or something like that. It was just that's how I felt. Ugh. You snowed me. I'm God. I can't believe that movie. Still, anyway, that was like the first time in my life HBO had let me down. I mean, they've done it several times since, but that was the first. It really stung. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I recommend it. It's. If they do a theatrical release, I'll probably actually watch it again. I want to feel that sound. Uh, I just hope the sound design in a theater is better than uh, Blade Runner 2049, which also has a lot of that very ominous tone, too. In that movie, it drowns it out. I think at least when I watched this movie, it didn't drown everything out, and I thought it more or less effectively worked. So, yeah, I'd, I'd want to see this in theaters. Uh going to go in between you two. But, like I said, I slightly side more with Justin. I'm going to give it an 80. Like a straight 80. Uh, 80 model church steeples to an alien's head. Out of 100. With a bell, too. I really thought that was kind of funny when she would, like, poke the bell. Uh, that puts its Cine score at a 79, which makes me a little bit sad. Why couldn't you have given it a 74, Heather? I could have rounded it up to an 80. But uh, I'm sorry. Nope, it's a 79. 0.3 repeating. Unfortunately, not enough. Not enough to bump it up. We got to follow proper rounding rules here. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. I know it's not your favorite thing to do, Jasmine, but we kind of got jumped to the end. I mean, that's, that's the biggest <laughs> spoiler about this movie is the end of the movie. Uh, I mean, because the trailer of the movie shows the aliens. That's why I was comfortable talking about all that stuff. Uh, yeah. We got to talk about the end. 
I just did not like the fact I, I, I kind of was okay with the end of the movie that everybody's living in like an alien controlled utopian society. I was okay with that. What I didn't like is that the last five or six minutes of this movie just become flashbacks. Like it's all flashbacks and then a dance number in a utopia and it's over. I really did not like that. What we, we, we just recently had a movie that did that too. Uh, Blue Beetle where they do the whole movie and then they go, Oh yeah, here's the character's backstory at the end and then into the movie where it would have been better if we had gotten more of it. Now they do some small hints towards the, uh, or about the character mod throughout the movie, but you just get this gigantic info dump of the Bryn character backstory all in all this bullshit. And then they just follow it up with the real or the weird surreal alien utopia. And I was just like, that's, that is a really jarring Aliens and Spins movie, four minutes of flashbacks, dance number end. I was just like, I, I, I don't like that choice. I don't like that to give the info dump, the flashbacks all at once. I don't, I don't like the utopia thing, you know, following that. It just, that was all a really jarring decision to me. And I just, that's what, that that's my biggest hang up with this movie is that. Uh, and also to talk about that a little bit, where I, I kind of do see where you're coming, Justin, with the whole, is she mute or not, especially due to, is she mute due to trauma or not, is the fact that when she's dealing with alien, I don't want to say hypnosis, but body control or mental games or whatever, is the first time you see her openly completely talk out loud is when she's mentally being taken over by an alien in her head. Uh, I do know you're saying Heather, that there is some stuff under her breath and very quiet, but completely out loud intentionally just saying words to another person that's in her head, essentially. So I don't necessarily completely disagree with you, Justin, but my point is also earlier in the movie when she's walking through town, it it looks like people are talking to each other and all this other stuff, but they're not. No one's really saying anything. There's a confrontate the confrontation in the police station where she comes across Maud's parents and Maud's mother spits in her face, but no one in that scene says anything. No one on the bus says anything like the bus driver. There's an alien, you know, possessed man, spider crawling over the seats. And the bus driver's looking back in the menu, the mirror and doesn't even say, Hey, stop. You know what I mean? Like no one really says anything in any of these scenes in the movie. That's why I'm personally would err on the fact that she's not mute. It was just kind of a decision to not really have any of the characters talk in this movie. Um. Yeah, those are my big things with that. Uh, that I wanted I wanted to talk about. Um. 
What about you, Justin? What are some spoilery thoughts you had? Or about what I just talked about or any of it? Okay. Um, so to, to, to quickly talk about what you're talking about, I, I get some of that. Um, but, but I don't know, I guess I just felt like there were parts like whenever she was walking to go visit her mom's grave. And when she's at the, the, the graveyard, there's a group of people. And even though it's like, muffled, kind of incoherent, like we can't tell what's being said, but, you know, people were obviously talking. When she was in the town, people, there were people speaking to each other. They would kind of make it inaudible or they would sort of make it like, you know, um, like that dialogue that you can't hear, just like that random voices muffled and you can't hear them. It's, it's when and you're I doing agree. subtitles, it says inaudible. Yeah, like inaudible dialogue or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it would always say that. Yeah. So like I do, I agree that it was an artistic choice to not have a lot of talking in this, but I just believe given the character's trauma and just what we know about selective mutism where people can kind of choose, maybe she could speak, but you know, that condition is kind of complex where you can choose not to speak or you can be so affected that you can't, or it's, you know, it kind of, or, or, or like when the phone, when she was trying to get the phone and dial 911, you know, she, maybe she would have had to have talked in order to try to call the police or call 911. You know, what was she going to do at that point? So I think maybe it was a little more selective due to her trauma. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it was kind of both. I think it was an artistic choice to not have a lot of dialogue. But I also think, but I also feel that the trauma, to me, the trauma justifies the character not speaking. I, I, I would like to think that it did. Like, I would like to think that with everything that happened to this character and the fact that she sort of killed her friend really young. I mean, it all just felt like it fit and was still kind of writing these letters and everything like that. And I, I think, especially when you apply it to the whole allegory of guilt and sort of self-forgiveness, which is what is ultimately, that's the heart of the movie. That's what this whole thing is about. I think it's very fitting that she spoke when she was sort of having this hallucinatory like vision and was seeing the person that she killed and finally saying, I'm sorry. You know, the, the, the voice came back when she was finally in a way, in some ways dealing with some of this trauma. I, I just feel like that's why she got her voice in that moment because we were, 
not speaking because of it. You know, it, it, to me, it, it fits just narratively what I was seeing and just how I interpreted the movie. But, you know, so so I, I don't think you're but I think you are right that it was an artistic choice to keep dialogue inaudible to make sure certain not a lot was being said by anybody i think that that was all artistically what was happening but i do think the other people were talking though um so i feel like it was just her but 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 anyway that's just my interpretation of how i saw it but uh to to just kind of speak to some of the events of the movie I mean, to me, I just like that this movie grabs you right away with all of that. Because for me, the character wasn't speaking. And I'm sitting here going, so to me, right away, it felt like the I was thinking, why wasn't the character speaking? And I was thinking, okay, did something happen to this person? You know, I had all these questions in my head. Did did something happen? What's going on? Who is this person that we are writing these letters to this mod person? What's that about? She seemed to be living by herself, but she's in this big house. You know, I, I just the 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 way that they were going with the visuals and the storytelling, I was just having all of these questions. So I'm thinking about her and what's going on. And then, you know, she's out on the town and she's not speaking again. So I'm just wondering, OK, is she shy? Is she are we just dealing with an introvert? You know, well, she seems to kind of be in town, but at the same time, kind of avoiding people. You know, I didn't really know what it was all about. And then when she first sees the parents and she hides from them and it's like, man, what is this girl's story? You know, I was so intrigued even before the aliens came on. I was just so intrigued by it all. I just wanted to know what was going on with her? And I think that more even that even more leans into the artistic choice to not let you hear a lot of stuff because if she's walking by people and one of them goes, that's that girl that killed Maud that kind of ruins the, the, the storytelling. If you can hear that, or if everybody is just kind of hating on her, um, you know, in that moment or characters are saying stuff to her and you can kind of hear that. I think it, it kind of ruins the moments that we get later when we sort of find out, Oh, this is why the mom spat on her, or this is why this happened. So I feel like it was an artistic choice, but it was, I think a smart one, just given how they were revealing this character's backstory and how it was tying into the whole alien invasion, which in a weird sort of way, the aliens are kind of represent the truth that she's running from like the, 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 the forgiveness that she want the, the truth that she won't allow to herself to accept kind of the, forgiveness that she's running from. So that's an interesting thing too. Like to me, the the aliens sort of represent that because ultimately it is them who sort of get her to face this truth. So like, so for me, that kind of puts a smile on my face. So it's very fitting that we went with the 
gray man design because the color gray, you know, the 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 good and the bad, the the mix of it, they were these a on on one side of it, they're they are these aliens accosting her, trying to catch her, chasing her, trying to you know, capture her, control her. But on the other side of the allegory, they are the 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 truth revealers. They are the people that ultimately get her to understand her truth and deal with it and forgive herself. So it is very fitting that they are gray, <laughs> so to speak in this, that they went with the gray man design. So that's tight because it's not only the, uh, they, they did it because it's the original design. There was purpose to it. And I'm like all about that shit in my movies. So that that's pretty freaking cool that I'm having that kind of realization about it now. But dude, like I, but, but anyway, I was intrigued before we got to the aliens. And when we got to the aliens, man, like you mentioned signs and when signs was first happening, like before you get to the end and it's giving you that roller coaster ride, it was a lot like that in the way. And I like how they didn't show them right away, but you could tell what was happening. You could tell that there were invaders or somebody was coming for her and like just showing those, just hearing the sounds of them walking or just showing like a little bit of the foot, but not letting you see what they were and her reactions to everything and trying to stay quiet, but making these noises and then you hearing them stop and you're just wondering, uh Oh, are they going to find her? Like, man, all of that stuff was just so good. It was so heart pounding. It was just so, it, it was just a roller coaster ride watching her react, deal with this, everything like that. And whenever you did see the aliens, um, you like the design and everything like that, but but the movie just kept moving at this pace. Like, even though you saw them, they felt so dangerous. They felt like at any given moment, you, you know, the, this girl, she felt like such an underdog in this situation. You know, she can't, she's not speaking. This is not a soldier. This is not Ripley. This is not... You know, this is not the girl in Prey or she can't use arrows or anything like that. She felt like such an underdog. And that made, I think, all of this even more scary. You know, she's just this is a girl that's living by herself and her mom's dead. And she has a friend that's not there that she's writing and she builds miniature houses and stuff. You know, she just doesn't seem like the ultimate hero that can stop these aliens. So, so I think that that, even that just made the situation more volatile because whatever she's doing, you just felt like at any moment she, she would get caught at any moment they would just have her, but she's fighting and she held on and, and all of that kind of stuff. But in these very kind of practical ways, I never felt like anything stupid happened in those moments or in those chases or, 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 or nothing just like so stupid that it took me out of the movie. Like even when the, the alien is using telekinesis to kind of bring her over and because of the momentum of that, and she had the little miniature b- ch- building or whatever in her hand, 
stab the alien, but it was sort of the alien killing itself in a way. It was the the use of the telekinesis that allowed the force of what she was holding to hit the alien. You know, like little things like that. Just it, it wasn't just her going huh, and stabbing it. You know what I mean? It was kind of a combination of things. So I, I liked all of that stuff. I liked all of those little uh things that they gave us. And as uh, the story's going through and it's revealing itself and you realize what happened and, and, and you realize kind of what happened with this girl and, and what this situation was. And when you realize that Maude is dead, then you sort of understand the reason why she's writing these letters, because this is pain and trauma and just guilt and unforgiveness that this person has not allowed herself to really deal with or feel. She is writing letters as if this person is alive. You know what I mean? When the whole time that the, this person is not, but that was sort of her like, way of dealing with it. And then it was also very fitting, like like even just the little contrast things they did, like when she's at the grave visiting her mom, you know, everything's kind of cool. She feels relaxed. You know, she feels like that feels like something that she does often. But it was very fitting to me that when she saw Maude's grave, it was a completely different reaction. You know, she didn't want to be there. She was afraid she was almost afraid to even look at it so you could just tell that this was a person like imprisoned by her trauma um so I think all of that stuff really worked for me I was just feeling all of that stuff and once I caught wind of the allegory a a lot of the 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 movie and the ending for me I think works overall but 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 we were just doing so much like in that third act and I think that that's what it was it was just so much to me it felt like a bit too much like we're 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 we're, you know we 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 dispatch the spider alien and now we're in the forest and now we're, we're confronted with a, a double of ourselves. And then there's a stab, but she kills the, the, the clone of herself. Then we go and then we're being chased again. And now we're up into the ship and then we're being probed and we're seeing the origin story. Then we're down. Um, th- th- then we're off the ship again. And then we're seeing these visions and now we're doing a dance number. I don't know. It just felt like it, it felt like a lot of different things tonally for me. And I think that there it was a bit unbalanced for me. I didn't hate every decision. You know, I get the whole clone thing. You know, the 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 battle within yourself, the 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 the, the, the battle to she ultimately has to battle herself to forgive herself. It is herself that needs to come to grips with. She needs to for, to accept and forgive herself for this situation. So I get it. Um, when you look at that from the outside looking in, though, why are the aliens making a clone to like 
attack her. I forgot about that part. You I see what I'm that. saying? I Yes, that is a bad it, 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 that's Yeah, like yeah. it totally makes sense for the allegory that we're going for. Not so much for why they would do that. I don't know why they did that. If they could clone her, and then it just raises some questions too. If you could clone her, why are you trying to capture? Or if you could, you know, um, if you could do that, then what was the need? At first, I was kind of running with this theory that they really want her because she killed one of them. Like, I felt like it was like she was wanted. Like, it was kind of one of those things like, uh, you know, one of our guys died. And that's why we're, we're, we're really zeroing in on her. We really want this one because she managed to kill one of us. But that didn't seem to be any kind of motivation. It didn't seem like um, it was. Uh, though they do beam the dead alien, they do collect the dead alien. But, but you know, I was kind of running with that theory until the movie sort of told me that wasn't what we were doing. So I was like, okay. But, but, but I didn't understand the clone when you remove the allegory. The same thing whenever she was up there and they finally have her. So they have her. You know, all of these wise, what I'm assuming is like your your leadership team, the captains of these aliens or whatever, and they're doing their brain analysis on her. We get through this. We see what's happening. They get her to sort of confront this thing. And then they just beam her back down. What is that really about because she removed the the mouth parasite thing so they weren't in control of her so when you look at it just from a movie standpoint why exactly did the aliens do that like it's hard to find a reason without the allegory for why they did that when you add the allegory to it it kind of makes a lot of sense because in a way in that town, in that society, she already kind of was an alien. She was ostracized and probably because the townspeople probably felt some kind of way about her because she did kill someone, but was so young. Maybe there weren't any real consequences, you know, uh, but maybe people were still just angry that another kid was killed. And maybe there weren't any, you know, she got away with this. She's that girl that got away with murder, so to speak. So, but so it, so it almost felt like in a way that in the town, she was already an alien. It it already felt like that's what she was in that town. So I get the whole, like when you apply it to the allegory. So I get the whole happy dance number utopia thing at the end because finally she is in a place where (laughs) you know she's accepted she has forgiven herself and these people who are all being controlled and stuff are now more accepting of her so it felt like now she was in a perfect situation so the allegory it it all matches up with the allegory but why are we making clones why are we capturing and then releasing? 
Why didn't we just go ahead and put the parasite in her and put, you know, what made her special um, from the other ones? Was it the pain? Was it the trauma? Did they somehow have relatability to her for that? I get what you're saying with that. I don't think they let her go, though. I, to me, the ending of the movie. Put her in a different utopia? Yeah, it's it's all they did was like, that's the goal. Is they want to take us over to use us for whatever they want to use us for. And to make us more pliable to their situation or what they want to do. They put us in a utopia to not question things type of scenario. I see. It's, I, to me, it wasn't that they let her go because they're obviously in control. Yeah. And, you know, cause I, I, and I did dig that, that I did dig that shot though, that it's like, Oh, utopian society dance number, heavy breathing. Cause I've been dancing and it just pans up to like, the sky where there's like nine alien spaceships just randomly around, just like monitoring shit, you know, that's why I don't think they let her go. Or if they did, if you want to call that letting her go, I wouldn't say that's because she's special because the, the guy she's dancing with was one of the people that, you know, was taken over earlier in the movie, you know, when they're all standing there and they've got their hand reached out to the sky as the ship's mm-hmm. coming. And the one looks over at her. That's that guy, you know, that she's dancing with. So yeah. I wouldn't, even if you do want to say that they quote unquote, let her go. It's not because she's special because they did it with a bunch of people. So, yeah. And I don't mean like let her go in the sense of like that there was like, she was free or anything, but I guess I was just sort of like, why not put the parasite in her anyway at that point? Or did I would say she they, has it or I would say, okay, she does so have you it. would say we just didn't see it, but yes. it was put back in. Yes, that that's at least how I felt based on the fact that she was dancing with a parasite guy. Yeah, you know? see, and this is what's so interesting about this movie, because like for me, I kind of took that as like she she wasn't a threat to them. Because she isn't kind of like what Jason said about how she sort of was already an alien in that town. Like she's just not that different from them. Like she's not going to cause him harm. She's yeah. not going to try. She's she's protecting only herself because she felt threatened by them when they came. But she's not, you know, trying to protect the town. She's not trying to kill them for their sake or anything either. You know what I mean? So I feel like it, it felt to me like it was uh it was more of that situation and that they, um, I don't know. It kind of, my first thought about that ending was that they just, they, they allowed her to be in a happier utopia because they saw what she experienced and all of these things, you know what I mean? And so they just let her be in a happier utopia, but they're still controlling everything. They're just allowing her to kind of be not under their rule, I guess. Or something. I don't know. It was it was kind of like an up in the air thing. I don't think it's super clear what it was, but that's kind of what I thought that it was meaning. But I don't know. Yeah, like she's not going to be a problem because shoot, she was more like us than she was like them. Like it felt like they understood something about her. Yeah, and kind of like seeing her trauma. Yeah, like seeing her trauma and everything. Maybe just saying like 
Yeah, she's she's been through it and she is definitely not somebody that wants to harm anybody because of this thing that happened. Like she is not a threat because she is the last person who wants to kill anybody at this point or something. I don't know. Maybe I feel like maybe that's kind of why they decided like they almost like they were empathizing with her, but not really or sympathizing with her. But I don't know. Yeah, it just felt like they were like, yeah, we don't have to worry about her. Like, look what she's dealing with. Look what she's gone through. She's not going to be somebody who wants to go down that road. You know what I mean? Yeah, she doesn't have to fall in line. She is in line already. You know, you know, she ain't going nowhere. We ain't got to worry about this one. You know, she's going to fit right in with what we're doing over here. You know what I mean? Like, she don't have to be altered. But 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 you could be right, Sterling, too. Maybe they did just go, hmm, that's interesting. Like they did with every other human, put the thing in her and now she wakes up. She doesn't know what happened, but now you're a part of this society. And either way, it's happier than the place where she was, where she's by alone in this house, writing these letters to someone who's dead, not not speaking, not facing in any sort of way her trauma and the guilt and the unforgiveness that she had within herself and, and sort of the refusal to forgive herself. So in this ironic sort of way, this alien invasion was better for this character based on, you know, what we saw that they got her to face and become a better person. And then now she's got a, a bunch of dance partners. So. Yeah. She got to use like her little dancing <laughs> footsteps. She got to use it. She got to break it out. Well, that's true. That's nice. What uh, nice aliens. But anyway, I guess that's it for me. I think I'm done. All right, Heather. What about you? I mean, I will say what I did actually like about that third act. And yes, I agree. I think they were trying to do so much in that time. Um, I actually liked the getting to see the backstory of it because I think I like the way that they visually showed that to us. Um, I do agree. Like, yeah, like, oh, why are we getting it now? Like, you know what I mean? But uh I guess in in a way similar to kind of like how signs was where we don't get the full story till almost the end there either. And that works. And yeah, I I think it depends on how they're pacing the rest of the story for if it works or not. But I do understand like why it is kind of off putting to do it that way. Cause you're like, why are we unpacking all this right now, right before we're ending the movie. But I think just because of visually how they showed what happened, I thought it was really a cool way to do it, especially if we're not going to have dialogue. You just kind of see what actually did happen. And then you're seeing uh, Bryn kind of faced with her younger self. Right. And like and I loved that moment, too, where they're like sitting across the table from each other. And you see that Bryn is just like or present day Bryn is very like. Just so. Like you could see in her eyes just how she's like, I wish I could go back and change this. And I wish I could, you know, let you know that you are still loved. Like just kind of something in her eyes just said everything that you kind of really needed to know about what was happening in that moment. And I thought that was really well done. 
and yeah, just kind of the, um, you know, just her kind of sitting in the middle of that scene of what happened when she was a kid, you know, viewing it as if she's there, like as an onlooker of the situation. I don't know. It was just something really cool about how they did that. And then like the music that they were sort of playing with it, um, you know, when they were showing what was going on and what was happening, like the revelation of everything happening. I really just liked that. I thought that was the cool part about the third act for me. Um, but I do agree that they try to do too much and you were just kind of like, okay, so we get this moment and then all these other like 15 things that you also decided you wanted to do in like a five minute time frame. But <laughs> at least you had that shining moment for me. I, I thought that was cool because, uh, you know, we were bound to find out what actually happened. It was only a matter of time and they did it. And yes, a flashback way, which is very a common thing to do, but in a different way, because yeah, again, you're, we're seeing it kind of from her perspective or she's seeing it in the same way we are, I guess at that, at that time, you know, it's almost like she's removed from it and she's able to see it for what it fully was again. And actually being faced with it because she has tried so hard not to really face it, you know, or hasn't faced it. Um, I did like the idea of her writing those letters too, because I mean, I think that that's a really, I've actually done that before too, where you're just kind of like, you know, I don't know what to say to somebody or a situation or even to myself about something. And I'm like trying to process my feelings. I just write it out and it just makes it all better, you know? And I, I like the idea of that because she didn't have anybody to talk to about it. There was nobody who wanted to talk to her and that was really kind of her only outlet to really say the things that she wanted to say that she couldn't say, you know, um, her mom wasn't around anymore. Her friend's parents were absolutely not talking to her. So she was just completely isolated and alone and like probably writing out those letters, like saved her life in a way, because how else is she getting out any of it? And like, it could be so easy at that point too, when you're like, well, nobody's talking to me about it. Nobody's asking me about it. Like it would be so easy to just avoid it altogether in your everyday life. You know what I mean? Like to just be like, fine, I'm going to live in isolation forever, do the things I want to do and nobody's going to bother me. But those thoughts would still be in her head. She would still be tormented herself by that. If there wasn't some way for her to kind of, um, let it out or process what was happening. So I thought that was a really nice touch that they did for that. Um, yeah, I, I do think it was interesting because part of me at one point thought with the, with the aliens too, that it was like, well, she's the only one who's made it this far. <laughs> and like everybody else was so easily controlled and taken over by them. And you see so many moments when all of the other people in the town were taken over and she was the only one that ran away from it, that got away from it and held her own against these aliens, it seemed like. Or I mean, and maybe that's just obviously the narrative they wanted to give because it was, the story was about her. But it just felt like she was the only like fighter, right? She was the only one fighting. She was the only one that was making decisions smart enough to kind of live longer than everybody else. But um but yeah, it, it, but then when you see that reveal at the end of, oh, they're actually still in control of everything. So it doesn't really matter in the end. 
but it was it was it was an interesting choice because yeah like why why did they allow her this happiness you know and then I don't know it it was just such a strange confusing ending that could be interpreted so many ways as we've kind of already talked about but um yeah I just think that the and I think that was another moment too where I feel like it showed that Bryn wasn't mute is because if I'm not mistaken, I think in the police department, when she is faced with the parents, it's almost like she's about to say something before she got spit on. Right. It was almost like she was like, um, you know, like she was about to say something to them, but then she got spit on and then she just shut down and didn't say anything because I mean, what was the point, you know? So I feel like that was another thing of why I feel like, it wasn't yeah she wasn't mute she was just she like nobody wanted to talk to her so she just wasn't talking to anybody you know um because yeah I don't know it see and this is one of those where even now I'm still processing everything that happened in this movie (laughs) but I, I loved the long action sequences though of just how she's kind of using her surroundings to survive using her surroundings to defend herself and figuring out what's going on um, to be able to, I guess, injure the aliens or yeah, just defend herself against them. But um, yeah, I think, man, I don't, I mean, even if she wasn't, I I feel like I would have tried to talk to these aliens if it were me. I would have tried to be like, what do you want? Why are you here? What is going on? I feel like I would have had questions or tried to see if they were, you know, able to talk also. <laughs> like, I don't know. I would just be curious about like, at least trying to figure out what's happening here. and Why are you here invading us? But um, yeah, I don't know. I think, and it's it's interesting because there's also not a whole lot to really spoil about the movie just based on how they've done this movie but I I like um like the scene when she was in the car and uh the alien like came through the car to get her and I don't know there was just some really interesting like action sequences between her and the aliens um and I really liked it so I don't know I it's hard to really kind of fully gel together my thoughts on it because I'm still sort of processing did I like this am I still figuring out what this means or what I think this means but I think that's kind of the cool thing about the movie too is because yeah there's there's so many different ways I feel like you can interpret what happened and even the three of us I think have all had different opinions on some of what's actually happened in this movie which is kind of a credit to the people who wrote it you know, because it's, it's a, it's a conversation piece for sure. It's one that leaves you thinking so much after you've seen the movie. So yeah, um, that's all I have right now. Thank you for bringing that back up, Heather. Like I was saying earlier, that scene where that, that giant spider alien kind of busts into the, the car that did look a little wonky. Like whenever they're, (laughs) They're juxtapositioning like the real car and the alien's head and arm are sticking out of it and all that shit. 
it looked a little wonky with it being inside the stationary real object. Uh, but when it comes to like you're doing alien designs and all this other stuff, and you only have one thing that's kind of telling with it, that shows that you actually did a good job of blending stuff together with the CGI and stuff. I also really dug it whenever she stabbed that little that little fighter alien like with the the mop stick. And then just yeah, slammed cool. its head with the 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 cabinet door. I really kind of dug that. But then I also like the yeah. fact that like that worked against that guy cuz he obviously didn't have telekinetic powers. But when she was trying to do any of that stuff on the medium-sized Grayman, they just demolished her almost all the time because they would just, like, flick their wrist and she could do nothing because she'd fly away, you know. Uh, and that's why I like what Justin brought up, the one time that she was able to, like, successfully completely kill one because I don't think she killed the little fighter one. I think she just knocked it out. I think it shows that it was still alive. Uh, yeah. But the one she killed is because it, was spinning her around and she accidentally stabbed it in the head. I liked that while she was effectively dodging and fighting these creatures, the one time she was the most effective was essentially out of the hubris of the alien spinning her around, you know? Uh, but I will say this and I do. My favorite scene one in, in this movie though, is when she got her little sewing scissors and she was like looking around to try to get that one. She ducked under that table and she's waiting for it to come around and stuff like that. And then she turns around and it's just kneeling next to her. Staring at her. I yeah. really dug that scene. I thought it was really cool. And she does that. And then she, it knocks her away telekinetically and it doesn't move. It just stays in that weird crouched position. Staring at her. I really dug that. I thought that that was a really cool and really effective scene. And all it made me think about was like, why can't recent horror films match this level of tension and suspense and creepy shit like this movie can? And this movie on its face isn't truly a horror film as much as it is kind of a thriller and a sci-fi movie. That's kind of the nature of what it happens when you go this deep into aliens and stuff like that. And well, yes, you can have some horror movies with aliens. Don't get me wrong. I mean, alien did it, but this movie was just playing on suspense and thriller vibes the entire time whilst using a sci-fi aesthetic, but it did so effectively and so effectively that it was also able to get scares. You know, this movie pound for pound is a better horror movie than the nun two was. And that's sad because <laughs> if you're looking at, if you yeah. want to put genre labels on this movie, Horror is like fifth on the list. You're putting so many other genres above horror. But it matched horror vibes better than The Nun 2 did. And then, or yeah, and The Nun 2 would have horror as its number one genre. 
I'll tell you what, though, that uh, parasite going in her mouth is something I'm never going to forget. <laughs> that was very tension filled and disturbing and just, yeah, scarred in my brain forever. I have seen way too many alien movies with them shoving shit in people's mouths to get phased by that. Hey, maybe that's yeah, maybe maybe that's why <laughs> that worked on me, because I don't watch as many of those things as you do. Alien shoving shit in people's mouths is like just a staple of my childhood. I watched so many movies of that. There's shit on Star Trek with that. You know what I mean? Like I've I've seen so many aliens doing so many things to people's bodies. That, that the just fact that it was so me. slow, like how slowly that, they did that whole scene. I, yeah, it was a great scene. And I, I, I dug that aspect of it, that, that time dilation ray thing where her time was essentially slowed down for her and that aliens just like, you know, floating it into her mouth. And then I dug how the aliens like, she's like, no, I ain't going to open my mouth. I'm not dumb. And that alien goes, the fuck you aren't and makes her open her mouth. Like I dug that. I thought that was really cool. Uh, like, yeah, they did do it in an effective way, but it's not going to burn itself into my soul because it's just going to rest there comfortably with all the other times I've watched that shit. I mean, one of my favorite things in the X-Files is the black oil, which is an alien thing, just crawling into somebody's eyeballs to infect them. And I was watching that shit on network TV in the 90s. You know, so I've, I've just, I've watched, yeah, too many. And and also like a big trope in, in alien horror movies and all this other stuff is the idea of the body snatcher aliens, you know, uh, your invasion of the body snatchers. I've watched like four or five different versions of that fucking movie alone. Uh, one of my favorite ones is one that's so easily forgotten, but it stars a uh, Donald Sutherland. It's a movie called Puppet Master. Not Puppet Masters with the puppets, but Puppet Master with the alien puppet being puppeteers. Uh, yeah, I've watched that movie 90 billion times as a kid. Loved it. Like I've said before, I had bad parents. I was watching radar movies on loops as a kid. So. The only version it. of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers that I think I've seen is uh, that movie, The Faculty. <laughs> That's yeah. the only one that I remember actually seeing. <laughs> there's the faculty. I mean, there's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original. There's the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Then there's the the slightly more modern one with, I think, Sean Penn and Nicole Kidman, like called Invasion. Nicole Kidman did a, a Body Snatchers movie. Um, like I said, there's Puppet Master. Uh yeah, there's so many of those. Faculty, like you said, uh, another alien movie I really dug as a kid, which is a terrible movie if you watch it now. But when I was like nine, it was fucking fantastic, was the movie Arrival with Charlie Sheen um, and uh, Andy yeah, Garcia. That oh, that movie sucks so bad if you watch it now. But man, nine-year-old Sterling yeah. couldn't get enough. <laughs> That's the thing is like scorpions on the right. uh, Yes. Scorpions on the ceiling fan. Yeah. Um, Interesting tidbit. Those are uh, emperor scorpions. 
relatively mild stings. It hurt. Venom, not that deadly at all. Very, very mild venom. Uh, a rule of thumb with, with scorpions, uh, the bigger the claws, the less poisonous the, or toxic their venom is. Because uh, they have to hold their prey longer. So they need big, beefy, strong claws. Really thin claws? Shit. Shit good. <laughs> but yes, that's why they always use black scorpions in a movie. Uh, those, you know, the emperor scorpions in a movie is because they're big, they're black, they're scary. And if they sting your talent, it's not that bad. There's that movie that Harrison Ford did with Anne Heche where they get like trapped on a desert island. Six days, seven nights or something like that. Yeah, that movie. And one of the scenes in the movie, I don't remember which one of them, but they, there's a scorpion on their head and all this other stuff. And they're like, oh no, scorpion. Um, while they were filming that, whichever actor it was, Anne Heche or Harrison Ford, I don't remember, got stung like three times while filming that scene. Uh, and the, But that's why they use them. They're not that dead. The only way it will be deadly is if you happen to randomly be just deathly allergic to that particular venom. Outside of that, it's more mild than a bee sting. You know, you can take some Benadryl and you're fine. So that's why they use those. Uh, but yeah, I just, I've watched so many alien invasion movies and alien movies and all this other stuff. So yeah, alien shit going into people's orifices or bodies. I, I, I call that a Wednesday as a nine-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I haven't seen it before, but it, I hate it every time. I hate it every time. And the fact that she like just went straight in and pulled the thing out. And like that whole thing was just. Now I did dig that scene. When she's like, I'm sorry, Maude. And then shoves her fist down her throat to rip it out. That was cool. I dug that. Gross, but but cool. Yeah. I like how she just like, like picked it up and threw it out of her mouth. And then she's just in her front lawn. Like, and I liked that because it showed that she was moving. She was under its control. It was, it had taken her over, you know. Uh, and then they followed it up with the weird clone. And I, yeah. I appreciated how you worded that, Justin, when you were talking about how for the allegory, it works. For the alien invasion story, it doesn't. It's so dumb, especially whenever she's. I would have just not done that. You know, I think you could have just still got the point across and you didn't even need that at all. You had been inside her head. Make a mod. Yeah. If you really want, you know what I mean? Make it a mod because I, I don't like how at all how that scene played out because it's like it makes a weird clone alien of her. The alien stabs her. Then she cuts its neck and and holds it ever so gently and lovingly until it dies. Like, and it's crying while the alien clone is dying. So, yes, like you said, allegory-wise, it's a beautiful, it's a touching scene. It makes sense. It makes zero sense for the aliens to do that if they're invading your fucking planet, though. Like, unless it was like, unless the idea is that it kills you and then it replaces you. But if you're doing that, then you're just 
why are you trying to fucking put pods in people's mouths? Just kill them and clone them. Like, you know, like, so it just doesn't line up for an alien invasion. These fucking things can travel interdimensionally or uh, not interdimensionally, but at least have some sort of, you know, faster than light travel or subspace travel or however you want to word that. Because technically faster than light's not completely possible, but whatever you want to call that. You have all that type of technology. You've developed your mind so much. You have telekinesis. All of these things, you have the ability to essentially do a time dilation beam to where time is different within the beam than it is within, you know, reality. But you also have the ability to code it to where it doesn't affect beings of your species. It only affects something else. Now, that was a nice twist because they did that with the tractor beam and the time dilation beam to where it does not affect them but it affects humans or just things of this planet. That's a really cool twist. And all of my alien shit, I haven't quite seen it used like that before. So I really dug that. But you have all of that. And it makes a clone to go after it? To then kill her, but you're trying to take people over. Why are you stabbing her? Like, it just, none of that tracks. In an alien invasion scenario, and when your allegory is put or is being told through the lens of an alien invasion storyline, you have to make those two coalesce. They have to they have to interweave and blend together. You can't have something that strictly works on one level and not the other. You have to blend them together better, which is why I think if you're truly dead set on doing something like that, you make it mod. Because that little thing was in her fucking brain and it had done an adult projection of mod. So just do that. Because then you get the allegory aspects of it all whilst also keeping true to what an alien invasion storyline aspect would have been. And I think it would have been more psychologically fucked up if it was mod. Because then he would, she would have had to kill mod again. Yeah, or at least if she had stabbed the thing and then it it was mod, and even if that was something in her head or that was guilt kind of coming to the surface in a moment or something, and she stabs the the person, realizes it's mod, and she's like, oh, shit. And maybe when she's running away, it pans back and we see that it was an alien or something. Maybe it was something she saw or something that she envisioned. And so, and maybe it could have played into the, okay, did she, you know, is she still being controlled? Is something still happening to her thinking the way she's thinking, you know, there still would have been something there. And then maybe by the time we got to the flashback, we would have been like, Oh, okay. That was just another example of her guilt. She saw mod because that's, that was the truth that she's running from. You know, it could have tied in to the fact that she, uh, uh, that, that, that she killed mod and that was the guilt that we were running from. So I think that that does tie better than the clone thing. Like you said, Either that or I don't even know if you needed that scene really at all. 
I, I just think if you don't have that scene and she gets pulled up into the beam, you know, she removes the parasite. She thinks she's safe. We run for a little bit or maybe she's trying to go back to the house and all of a sudden she's beamed up. We do the thing. We find the origin story and then we go back down to earth. I probably would have been more all right with it, but I don't think you needed to do all of those allegorical things. I think you just choose one, you know, just choose a few. Let's just choose a few. You all right. I'm following movie. You don't got to put it all on the nose and fight your clone and all of that stuff. It didn't, I think it was too on the nose with that. I just don't know if you need, I just wonder if you needed that, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. Anything else? No. Nah, I'm good. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com, Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Instagram and threads, at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube, Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok, which... Some more of those will come out soon. Once these pesky little strikes stop, I will actually start doing some more of that stuff. Uh, But I was kind of, I wanted to pick it back up, but then the strikes were going on. I was like, no, wait. So I will be doing some more stuff, some more reviews of just random ass shit. Cause I've watched so much random shit lately. Uh, Like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I could have done a review of the, Movie House on Haunted Hill with Chris Kattan. In case you forgot, Chris Kattan is in that movie. And Ali Larder. I Lar- did. Uh, Ali Larder. And uh, like I said, Tay Diggs and Jeffrey Rush. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Famke Jensen? Uh, Jean Grey from the X-Men movies. Star-studded cast. She's also in the faculty, I think. I think she's a teacher. In the faculty. Is she one of the teachers? John Stewart's in the faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but those will be coming as long as the studios quit being shitty and just come to an agreement with the SAG-AFTRA. And then, you know, well, I'll start doing some more shit. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Choa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five-star reading and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers, because dear sweet mothers love learning proper dance steps. I actually dig that. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say alien utopias, but that works Mm. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just remember here at the Cinema Slash Podcast, we are both pro-slut, pro-Sydney. We are also pro-naked, and just remember, you are Knuff. Justin, we agreed that pro-naked would be it. Okay. You, we, we agreed last week pro-naked would, would be what it is. Don't, don't, I said okay. Don't be looking like a sad puppy. You, have you eaten naked tenders recently? Yesterday. Exactly. Shut up. I don't want to hear your shit. <laughs> All I know is if the aliens would have analyzed my brain, they would have been like naked tenders. He likes Burger King. Naked tenders. <laughs> they would not have let you go. 
if it was the Burger King and not the tenders. <laughs> They'd have been like, man, even in his mind, he's lying to us. Because that motherfucker's stomach no, is full of naked no. tenders. <laughs> and he's claiming Burger King. Who is this man? No, no not that. We need to do experiments on him. <laughs> they examine your stomach content. It's full of naked tenders. You've got a brazen canes receipt in your hand. And it is like, why does he keep thinking of Burger King? <laughs> Right. <laughs> Damn it. We should all eat the naked tenders on here sometime. Since yes. they do have canes here. Do yes, but the, the, the one thing is, the one thing is that's weird about the naked tenders is the fact that they are not technically a legit menu item. They are a like secret menu or modification that they allow. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they are not a straight menu item. And since I don't like actually ordering my food, like I don't like talking to people to order my food. I like to go into an app and order. I'll go pick it up. I'm not saying it has to be delivered. I'll go pick it up. But I can't just go in there and put like, give me this, you know, whatever. Is it like a six piece in that? Like the one of their Caniac. Yeah, the Yeah, the Caniac combo. Okay, the Caniac combo. And then what do I put in the app? Make them naked? Strip them down real slow and give them to me naked? Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you, like, what do you put in the comments to do that? Like, it's weird, you know? Uh, so I'm yeah. just saying Raising Canes, get with the fucking program. Quit with this <laughs> in and out bullshit where, you know, you've got a very popular item that you just make everybody order as a special modification. Like, that's... Regardless of anything, fuck in and out because their most popular items are off menu items. Just put them on there. Yeah, yeah, just put them on there. <laughs> it's not a secret. You're not special anymore. You've got them all over the fucking country. Just make it a part of your fucking menu instead of your like nice little, oh, I eat in and out lingo. Fuck all that. You know why I appreciate Whataburger? All their menu or item customizations are on their menu. You want Texas toast? You can get your burger on Texas toast. And you know how you always know that? It says it on the menu. Just says it. It says, hey, these are our bun options. I appreciate the simplicity of that. So BK is the same way. Just have it your way, you know. Just go there and... Justin, you don't actually know that. You haven't looked in their menu in like six years. Mm. Just saying. I drove by the other day. Justin, we settled this. It's Canes. Canes is your Arthur. Quit trying to do this. You left Burger King when you were a little boy. You left little boy in Burger King. And adult Justin is with Raising Canes. We've been over this. Those feelings are real, though. They are. I mean, uh, but, I, but, but I was going to finish the sentence and just say, I drove by on the way yes. from getting my naked tenders. Justin, the thing is, is we there, know at this point. There is. That if you're going to Canes, you're passing by a Burger King. Yeah. I don't feel, it doesn't feel right all the time, but I do it. I, I like to think that you intentionally always plan your route to Raising Cane's to pass a Burger King. 
Like it doesn't matter if there's like, say you're like doing some shopping and you're just down the street from Cane's and you would have to pass Cane's to go past a Burger King to go to Cane's. You do that. You make a big circle just to pass that Burger King on your way to Cane's. <laughs> Damn it. I hate y'all. Justin, I don't know why you're, you're coming with this hate again. We've just, it's been established. It's been established multiple times. You're a Canes man. It's fine. Like you said, you ate there yesterday. Were, were, were the naked tenders not delicious yesterday, Justin? Man, they were. I might See? go again tomorrow. See? And every time we've brought up Burger King, you're like, man, I'm going to get it. You just never have. Not it's once. It's on the schedule? No, it's not. <laughs> oh, man. It's not. Justin, your birthday is coming up. You're not even going to go eat Burger King on your birthday. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. You, you, you know what you're the most likely to get on your birthday, Canes? Yeah, exactly. So just remember, as I always end these YouTube videos, these TikToks and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I can't believe you had the audacity to look at me. Like I should mention Burger King when I said we are pro naked, like we agreed on, Justin. We agreed on it. Cinema Slayers. I mean, just a slight mention every now and then, just remind us, remind us. Justin, we we agreed that we would be pro naked for you. I'm still friends with BK. We're, we're pro Sydney for Heather. We're pro slut for me and we're pro naked for you. We cover all our bases. And together we are enough. Got it. That's how it goes, Justin. I accept. Justin. With a heavy heart. Your yeah. actions alone say you are pro naked. Come on. You ate naked tenders yesterday. You're going to eat them tomorrow. You're going to eat them on your birthday. And your birthday's just in a couple of weeks. You are going to eat them at least nine times per- between now and your birthday. I just haven't forgiven myself for abandoning Burger King. I just. Justin. I can't forgive myself. I'm like, that's, Brent, I can't. Forgive that's kind myself. of a lie. You have forgiven yourself for that because you just haven't done it. You have no actual guilt about not needing Burger King because you don't do it. <laughs> and you actively go out of your way to not do it. That's like saying, man, I feel so guilty for cheating on my wife when you're fucking the ninth, like you're having your ninth affair of the day. <laughs> You can still feel kind of bad about it. Justin, at a certain point, your actions (laughs) prove your note. 
like I said, I am pro slut. <laughs> and I'm just saying at a certain point, be truthful to yourself. You don't actually feel guilty about it. <laughs> There's no shame in that, Justin. That delivery, though. You still feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> Justin, all I'm saying is I know your heart, your high school sweetheart was Burger King. You loved it. I did. But you married Raisin Cane's. <laughs> no point on getting on social media and looking up your ex and doing, but what if? No, Justin, you got you're married Arthur. to Raising Canes. You yeah. love Raising Canes. You got your Arthur. You are happy with Raising Canes. Why are you playing the what if game? <laughs> Just be happy in the joy and love that you have found in Naked Tenders. Every now and then, sometimes those feelings come back. You know, I'm still, I'm still, I still want to be friends with the BK. It's just that I'm not going to be all up in the BK. You no, know Justin, I mean? you don't even want to be friends but, with BK because you don't even talk to BK. Oh, I don't. I got to start writing BK some letters or something. You're, you're, you're Maybe literally doing the the equivalent of Facebook stalking BK because you just drive by and look at it. You don't even have the, the audacity or the, the gumption to, to friend request it, to actually just see what's going on in its life. No, you just drive by it. Just do a quick drive by. Yeah. I just like the fact that Justin said, I don't want to be in BK, meaning like you're never going to go inside to get anything either. <laughs> like- it has so many meanings what you just said. So well, you're not even gonna go say hello to it. You're not even gonna go wave in the drive-through, nothing. You don't even you won't even go there to get a diet coke. Hell no. But but look, look. All I'm saying is is just it's it's complicated. Let's just it's put not. it that way. What I'm doing it's not is <laughs> Justin, it's the simplest thing in the world. <laughs> He's just saying he still wants BK to be happy, even if they're not together. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's I fine. Do. But just accept the fact you, you can care about it. You can want it to be happy. And so many of them are closing. I mean, you don't feel bad. No, I feel that is zero, you know? zero bad things about the fact that Burger Kings are closing nationwide. You don't look back and go, man, maybe if I was there, you know. No, because I don't like going there. Could have done something for it. Justin, you know, they have never once in any of the times I've eaten there given me a quality food product that I I happily eat. It's sad, Sterling. It's never busy. I know. (laughs) Never busy. And I just feel so bad. It's like, man, ain't nobody. It's like Bryn, you're coming to terms me. with your grief right now. I will happily. I just feel so bad. It was a, they were a juggernaut. They were not, Justin. They weren't. They, they were. They were the. They were the juggernaut. The no, they were juggernaut. They were just at the McDonald's for a while, and then now you drop by, there ain't nobody there. Justin, and I'm my ass ain't going either. I will, sad. I will go gladly spend 45 minutes in a Whataburger drive-thru 
to eat that food than spend 45 seconds to get my food at Burger King. I just, how come nobody goes to it? Because it sucks. <laughs> Man, it used to be tight. I just wish people felt kind of bad about it. I mean, I just like, man, dude, ain't nobody there ever. You know, it was so many people at Cane's when I went, just that enjoying, laughing, giggling, cackling, having a good time. And I you were wonderful. BK, man, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I was there. And then I drove by BK and it just wasn't nothing happening, bro. It was just two cars. And I think one was an employee vehicle. I like I to just, think that every time you take a bite of your naked chicken tenders, you go <laughs> with joy. <laughs> man, I was so hungry last night. And when I got a boy, it was like, man, it, it was just that reward for getting through the day and just being like, oh, man. Just this wow. weird moral obligation that you have to still support Burger King for whatever reason. But he doesn't support them. Yeah, I know. By name, by name, by just saying that he supports it. He just likes mentioning it for no damn reason. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just, I, look, I. There's not just, a single damn reason why you do it, Justin. Not a single damn reason. I don't understand, really. But But look. I just, I just look at it and I think it, it could, I just wish it was better, man. I just wish somebody was eating there. Then why don't you write them an email going, fix your fucking shitty food so people will eat there, you dumbasses. Damn. I mean, people used to be all about the flame broil. What happened, man? And then they realized it was a bunch of marketing bullshit and it really didn't taste any better than McDonald's. So you might as well go somewhere that makes you happy. Is that it, Justin? Are you like, did you have a severely toxic relationship with Burger King? Was it just constantly gaslighting you into making you think that their food was good and it wasn't? But you're still just stuck up on the words they said? Because they made you feel so bad about yourself that you felt like you could never escape it. So you, when you pass by, you get stuck in that mindset of you can never do any better than Burger King when you already have. And you found uh, an establishment that makes you feel love and joy and happiness. I just, I just, you just never forget your first and I was just a real fan of them. Justin, you know, I, I can almost guarantee fan. they weren't even your first. You probably had McDonald's at least 10 times before you ever ate Burger King. Yeah, that's probably true. But look, look, I mean, do you remember those shitty ass toys you used to get at Burger King too? Yeah. It was always just something King random. Kids club. I was part of the Burger King kids club. With kid vid and all of that stuff. Man, do you remember how shitty their chicken nuggets used to be? I say that like they're any better now. They're probably not. I wouldn't know. But do you remember back in the day when you get Burger King chicken nuggets, when your mom's like, hey, what do you want? And you don't know she's going to Burger King. And she makes you think that she, she's like, oh, I'm going to stop and get burgers. What do you want? And you're like, oh, give me a chicken nugget kid's meal. And then she brings you home Burger King chicken nuggets. You remember how disappointing that was? 
Mm. Yeah, the Nuggets are not the highest tier. But they're not the Nugget King. I mean, maybe they should be. I don't know. They need to ex- they need to accept what they are in other countries, like Hungry Jack, because they know that they're not actually kings, and it's false advertisement in other countries to call themselves a king. They're just a guy named Jack who's hungry, probably because he 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 doesn't eat any of their food, because he'd rather be hungry than eat that shit. <laughs> That's why it's Hungry Jack. But I mean, some people like it. Like, no, they like don't. if you take Heather, right? Heather, and you and you make her into a child, she would like Burger King. No, that just means she would eat Burger King. Not that she would like it. She loved it, though. That's what we we. Justin, that's that. never actually been established. You just say that all we've oh, ever hasn't? accurately established is that she ate it as a child. That's the only definitive thing we know is that Heather <laughs> ate Burger King at least once in her life, but she was a child when she did it. <laughs> she spoke in depth about it, and I just remember her No, going, she didn't, Justin. She said, I had some chicken things. I don't remember what they were. And that's what she, she, that's like, what mm, she said. And the sauce that I used to get, mm, I love Burger King. No, she said she had a sauce. Oh. That I was Man, mostly I just, sure was sweet and sour. But she doesn't yeah, even definitively you know. Mm-hmm. You want like, mmm, that sweet and sour She sauce doesn't nugget. even remember if they were chicken fries or chicken nuggets or maybe even chicken tenders at some point. She just knows it was a chicken product and there was a sauce. <laughs> she said, mmm, though, right, when she was talking? No, Justin. <laughs> was it um or mmm? It's probably an um. She was mm. like, I had, um, um, you know, chicken things. I could have swore I heard yum. Mm, like, no. Mm, like, mm, mm. That's, no, Justin, you're thinking of when you eat I was a kid. naked tenders from no. Raising Cane's and not ever Burger King. <laughs> okay. Do you remember that very shitty documentary, Super Size Me? The one thing I do yes. like about it is the, that guy that eats a Big Mac every day and his friends gave him five bucks to eat a Whopper and he did. And he's like, man, that was so shitty. I took that five bucks and went and got me a Big Mac. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, what a mean man. He's a man of the people. Just a big meanie, that guy. You know, and this weekend I have to house sit for my aunt, and I am going to be like a quarter of a mile away from a Burger King. You know what I'm not going to eat, Justin Burger King. Will you drive by it? I could. I'll probably not, but I could if I wanted to. I could pull a Justin. You know, I'll pull a Justin. I'll drive by it and not eat it. There's a McDonald's like right across the street. I'll drive by the Burger King and go eat McDonald's. That's fine. But you have to look and smile and oh look, just kind of whisper. I support you. No. No. Because you don't actually do that. <laughs> Damn it. In okay. fact, I think there's a Raising Cane's in Naperville. So I'll, I'll make a big roundabout trip just to drive by that Burger King to go to that Raising Cane's. I will pull up my GPS 
and go, where's the Raising Cane's? And I'll go, okay, I'll add a stop at a Burger King before Raising Cane's. So I'll drive by the Burger King on my way to Raising Cane's. I'll pull a real Justin. Just kind of look over there and say, I support you. I'll look at it and go, oh, a Burger King and keep driving. Just give it a hand gesture, you know, just like. Considering you don't actually do any of that, like I said, I'll pull a Justin and I'll drive by it and I'll look at it and go, oh, Burger King. Can't wait to get my canes. And I'll get a what, a caneaholic or whatever it's called. And I'll go, <laughs> can you make them naked, please? Okay. Are, are we done now? Can we, can, can we, can we, can we, can we just I feel like we should be done, King? guys. <laughs> can we drop the Burger King now, Justin? <laughs> we did it in our pre-outro and also our outro. We've been talking about Burger King, guys. <laughs> yes. We got to stop doing this. Okay. It's done. It's I would have, Justin. You're the one that was like. <laughs> he gave the look. He gave you that look of like, you better, you better talk about it. <laughs> Justin was like, uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. Can you please bring up the fact that I just don't actually Burger King and pull shit? Can you please, Sterling, please? Man, I used to love it. It is 1.30 in the fucking morning, Justin. Just stop it. Shut up okay. about Burger King. Okay, okay. I'm out.